0: for those of you guys here with us today for the very first time, welcome. Uh, My name is Jay Duncan, and I have the incredible honor of leading this house, one of the best houses on the planet. I want to, um, I mean that with all my heart. Come on, you guys. Uh, I do want to give special honor to some special friends and guests that we have with us this morning. Jonathan and Bonnie decided to uh, drive in. They're going to be spending some time alone Uh, up in the mountains, just hearing from the Lord and uh, and processing the events of the past few weeks. But uh, they decided to come and be with their Antioch family this morning. So we love you, Jonathan and Bonnie. Amen. Amen. Our prayers are with you and our heart is with you. And, uh, and you just need to know that this family here is just surrounding you, um, not only in the past, but as we move forward. We love you guys. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 16, and we're going to be bookending the series that we've been in for the past few months on this, this issue of Pray the Eight. And for those of you guys who are joining us today for the first time, very, very briefly, Uh, At the beginning of the year, our church had a 21-day fast, and in that 21-day fast, we all participated in hearing from God what He is saying to this house for this year and beyond. And so uh, we have preached on those and we have taught on those over the past few months, and today we're ending that series. So the next couple of weeks, we'll just have some freestanding messages from the Lord, uh, in a couple of weeks, we have our very own Apostle Bill Suddeth who's going to be with us speaking into the house. So very, very excited about that. But uh, if you look right here uh, on your Pray the Eight card, if you have it handy, uh, these are some of the topics I just want to review. That this is going to be a year where the Lord will introduce a new level of worship the spirit of holy community. We are contending for healing and miracles. Uh, we believe that God is doing some amazing things along the lines of awakening and revival in our youth and young adults, so that we're praying into that. We believe that the Lord is inviting us into some very significant God encounters, both individually and corporately, so we are praying into that. Uh, let me skip that, that, la- that seventh one, or that that's one, two, three, four, five, that sixth one, new building. Uh, we've talked about City Impact and uh, we also believe that the Lord is inviting us to partner with Him on a higher level of harvest here in our city. Today, I'm bookending our series by talking about uh, a building. And uh, it's funny, I actually had some friends of mine say, are you actually going to preach on that? You're going to preach on a building? And uh, yes, I am. Um, I'm going to preach on a building. So, and all of the set up, and, set up and Tear Down team said, amen. Yeah. And, and all the worship team said, Amen. Woo! And all the children's ministers said amen. And all, the... all right, Matthew chapter 16, here we go. You guys are so silly. Father, we just thank you for the ministry of your spirit that is very, very present today. And we thank you that you are truly hiding us under the shadow of your wings. You're covering us, that you are refuge in our fortress and our shield. And Lord, we take great, great comfort and we take great strength in that. Now, Father, we pray that you would bless the ministry of the word of God. That this would not simply be the words of a man, Father, that you would speak by your spirit, that you would teach, you would counsel, you would comfort, you would provide apostolic vision and direction, you would provide prophetic insight and revelation, and that every one of us, both individually and corporately, would hear from you today as we move forward as a community of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 16, the context here very simply is Jesus is talking with his disciples, And he is preparing them as he is preparing himself for uh, his greatest, greatest suffering on the cross for all of humanity. And he begins asking his disciples this question, who do people say that I am? And they respond, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Some people say Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets. Then he gets real personal. He says, well, who do you say that I am? We'll pick the story up right here in verse 16 of Matthew 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You're the one. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we've waited for. In verse 17, Jesus answered and said, Well, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. Look at verse 18. This is where we're going to land here for a few minutes. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, upon this rock, the rock of the revelation of who I am, The rock, the unmovable rock of Christ Jesus, I will build my church. This is what he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now, I want to focus here for a few minutes on this word. He says, upon this rock, I will build. I will build. It's an interesting word. The original language there, the word there is oikadomeo. It's a compound word. It's taken from two words. The first word, oikos. And the second word, domeo, the word oikos means house, house. We actually preached on this for quite a while in 2013. And the word domeo means to build. And so literally when you put those words together, that verb in the original language very simply means to build a house, to build a household, to build a family, to build a family. Uh, It also means to build spiritually. Now, I want to pause here for a few minutes, and I want to invite you into a little bit of philosophy that is information as it relates to the building of God's church. Uh, Number one, and if you're taking notes, you can jot some of these thoughts down. These are just thoughts as it relates to this particular verse of Scripture right now, and as we pull this into, what does this look like in the 21st century? Number one, everything that is built must be built by someone. Things do not just happen. In fact, let me say this, things will be built haphazardly or things will be built strategically. They'll be built by the leadership in the direction of the Holy Spirit or they'll just be built haphazardly or they'll be built by the wisdom of man. Christy and I were talking a couple of days ago about our journey. We were reminiscing on our journey and now we've been in Colorado Springs for 11 years. In the first six of those years, we served under the previous senior leader here, a man by the name of Dutch Sheets. And one of the most, I think, important things that happened under our tenure of serving uh, Apostle Dutch and Sisi was that he was very instrumental of the Lord in weeding out of us, not that it's complete, but helping to begin the process of weeding out of us what I would call secular humanistic approaches to building the church. I remember him saying this to me one time. He said, Jade, any man with a measure of gifting and charisma can build big churches. And just because a church is really big does not mean that it's been built by the Spirit of God. It's, it's really true. Now that I began looking back on that, um, you know, without going into a ton of history, uh, I, 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 just, I, I really did cut my teeth on, well, if you, if you make certain changes and if all the cosmetics are right and if you market things the right way, you know, you really can get a lot of people in a room and you can get them to stay for a while and you can mobilize them and, and you can have a large church. In, in my journey, one of the things that a lot of my closest friends know about me is that I really probably should have taken a, um, an MBA degree because a lot of the things that I cut my teeth on are authors like Ken Blanchard and Patrick Lencioni, John Maxwell, uh, a lot Jim Collins, a lot of these guys who write uh, about building strong organizations, so organizational leadership, and organizational structure are things that really uh, whet my appetite, as opposed to, like, theology and things of that nature. Um, that being said, um, I realize that there really are no such thing as business principles. There are only biblical principles that work everywhere. Principles that come from the Scripture inspired by the heart of God will work in every venue. They'll work in the administration of a great business, They'll work in the administration of good government. They'll work in the administration of excellent education, families, churches, etc. That being said, there are models. And I think what happens is, if we're not careful, is that we'll look at a model. Now, a model is when people have actually done the difficult work of taking principles and applying those principles in their particular context. And methodologically, they'll take those principles and apply them in a certain manner that then creates a model. A model of service, or a model of production, or a model of marketing, or a model of those different things, and I think as I look at the church, what happens is, is we look at models, and then we assume that that model that works for a particular people in a particular place is a model that will work everywhere. Are, are we are we are we connecting? Are we walking? So I think what the church has done is they have looked at the model of business, and they have said because businesses are successful then we must build churches in the same way that businesses build good businesses okay now our primary target our primary roi our return on investment is not to get more people in a room that that is not our measurement of success that's not our metric of success our metric of success is seeing sons and daughters mature in the Lord, identify their assignment in the kingdom, and transform the world with the kingdom of God. That's our metric of success, okay? Now, the context or the model in how we do that, as I look biblically, the model is a family, now, now this is, I, I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine, he happened to be one of my seminary professors when I was going through ORU, Randy if you're listening to the podcast, love you, thank you so much for being in my life the past 20 years, and when I was back in Tulsa in May, he and I sat down together, and he, Randy's been instrumental in asking me the difficult questions as it relates to ministry philosophy. And he asked me this question just a couple of months ago. So, since you've graduated from seminary in 2003, in the past 12 years, how has your ministry philosophy developed? And, I, and then he says, and tell me about your ministry identity. Now, just I'm going somewhere. I said, two significant things have happened, Randy. Number one, my ministry identity is that of a son. My ministry philosophy is that of a father. In other words... My ministry identity flows out of the security of who I am as a son, which means, which means that my value and my worth are not in in what happens out here. My value and my worth is in who he is, what he's done, and who he says I am. Now, my ministry philosophy, not just my identity, but my philosophy is I believe that ministry happens best in the context of family that is facilitated through the heart of fathers and mothers. I believe that with all my heart, and I'm becoming more deeply entrenched into it every day that I go. I said this to him. I said, if we model the church as a business, we should not be surprised when we produce consumers. We should not be surprised when people come in and they want it your way right away. We should not be surprised when people leave if the music's too loud or if we go too long or if we didn't serve things up the right way. Because if you model yourself after a business, you are going to create consumers. And consumers have been conditioned in our culture to expect that they are always right. And whatever it is that they desire, if they pay enough, then they should get what it is that they pay for. The model of the church, as I understand it, is found in this word that Jesus uses. I will build, oikadomeo. I will build a family. I will build a family. I will build a family. Let me give you another example of how this applies, just contextually. One of the uniquenesses of this house that I think is incredible, and I'm sure it's in many other churches. But one of the things, if we are to be apostolic, which I believe we're called to be, if we are to be apostolic, it means that one of the things that we must become good at is helping every single person in this place identify their priesthood and their kingship in their ministry assignment. Which means that every single one of you will be activated into your unique ministry. Now, watch this. In a business model, in in order for you to thrive, then we have to compete. Because your ministry vision in a business model will compete with this ministry vision and you'll begin looking for people to help finance your ministry vision, which will compete with the financing of this ministry vision. And that is a business model. But in a family model, if Milan likes to dance, then we're going to take Kenya to go watch Milan dance. Watch, watch Follow me. And it don't matter if he don't like to dance because a daughter of the family is dancing And so we're gonna have Kenya come and he's gonna support Milan as she dances because Kenya is a part of the family. And that being said, Milan needs to understand that because she's a part of the family, when it's time for Kenya to play baseball, then she's gonna be on the stands and she's gonna be clapping her hands even though it's not her time to be dancing, it's her time to be supporting the guy who's hitting home runs. Right? That is a prophetic word. (laughs) I think this is a lot deeper than we understand because if we're to build an apostolic house that celebrates every ministry, you don't have to compete with this ministry. This ministry is designed to build up your ministry as you celebrate your ministry and the ministry of your brothers and sisters in this house. Now, logistically, I understand we got a lot of that stuff to work out and I and we're not there yet, but philosophically, I can be just as excited about RAM and just as excited about Women of the Kingdom and just as excited about Engage Dynamic and just as excited and on and on and on because every one of you has a ministry. And in the kingdom and in family, those ministries need not compete. Now, I'm just using an example to help you understand the difference between a business model and a family model. We are are after building a family model. Now, that's dangerous in a culture that has been deeply fragmented and fractured with family dysfunction. My philosophy on that is businesses do not heal families. Families heal families. Building our church off a business model that says you're expendable if you're not helping us utilitarian. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If you're not helping us, you have no value. That's a business model. A family model says your brokenness will be healed when you trust in family again. And that's dangerous, but I think it's Bible. So let's just keep let's keep walking. Let me also say this. You know, in the scriptures, there are many, many different types of references. You know, the church is referenced as a bride. The church is referenced as a temple. The church is referenced as an army. The church is referenced So let, let me let me address some of this kind of army ecclesia oikos dichotomy because they really don't, they're not in. They're not fighting against each other. Go with me if you would to Genesis chapter fourteen. Some of you are thinking I thought you were preaching about getting a building. Oh, but I am. Okay, in Genesis chapter 14, the quick backstory here very simply is Abram, who is known as the father of our faith, he goes on an assignment, he goes on a journey, he takes his family, we find this in beginning in Genesis 12, God says, leave your father's house, leave your country, leave your household, and go to a land I will show you. In that journey, he brings his nephew Lot, and in the course of time, Lot and Abram end up splitting ways And Lot goes to where the pasture is much greener. And in so doing, Lot finds himself, his heart, drifting towards a people known as Sodom and Gomorrah. In the course of time, Lot is taken prisoner. He's he's taken captive. And so we pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 14. And look with me at verse 14. And when Abram heard that his relative Lot had been taken captive, he led out... His trained men, I could also put in there, he led out his sons. He led out his trained men born in his house. Watch this, 318. And he went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now when you read the whole story, what you're gonna find is that there were actually five kings, five kings, and all of their people that were taken, that were overrun, that were taken captive, So how in the world are you going to, as some old man, take 318 men in your house and go on this special operations mission with a bunch of farmers and sheep herders and go do what five kings couldn't do? How is that even possible? What was going on in the house of Abram? 318 men born in his own household, and he taught them how to fight. 318 men born in his own household that were willing to lay their lives on the line for a father that was in their life. 318 men that were skilled and that were equipped by the voice of a father. So listen, listen. The oikos and the ecclesia are not in disagreement one with another. This is, this is my philosophy. I believe that you fight better when you know who you're fighting for. I believe that when God builds a house, God is building the structure and the spirit, the ethos of a warrior code inside of us because I tell you, I'm going to fight much harder for Kenya and Milan than I'm going to fight for some kid I don't know, right? And I'm going to fight for your children, and I'm going to fight for you, and I want you to fight for me, but you're not going to do that at a conference, right? You're going to do that for the people who you know their story. You're going to do that for the people who you've let into your heart. You're going to do that for the people that you've entered into covenant with. You're going to do that in the context of family, not in just some ethereal concept of warriorhood. I don't fight just to fight. I fight for my king and I fight for the king's family. That's why the oikos and the ekklesit, you must have oikos first. I believe that. You have to have family first. Are we we're we, are we getting somewhere with all this? OK, let me talk historically here for a few minutes. Um, God is spirit. Those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth, but in His journey with humanity, God has chosen in the Earth realm, to create places, to build places. Places where he would inhabit, places where he would encounter his people, places where his people would gather and assemble to worship, to pray, to sacrifice. Without going into a lot of scripture here, first we see this happening in the people of Israel. They were commanded to build a tabernacle. And we find this primarily in Exodus 35 and 36. And if we have time here in a few minutes, we may go there. The tabernacle served an incredible purpose throughout the wilderness. It was mobile, but yet it was a place where they sacrificed. It was a place where they learned how to approach God and how they learned to engage God. Praise God that because of Jesus, we don't have to go through the tabernacle anymore to reach him. The Holy of Holies is now in us. Next we see when King David comes on the scene, we see that after a period of judges and a period of kings, a period of wars and restoration of wars, we find now that David has in his heart to build a temple. So now we've moved from a static, mobile place where we can encounter God into a static location. And David approaches God and he says, I want to build you a temple. I've got all the resources of the world at my hands. And uh, here's the blueprints and here's the plans. And God speaks to David and he says, I want you to build this through your son. I want you to build this through your son, which has incredible multi-generational implications right now there may be plans that we will get prophetically and apostolically that our children, our grandchildren will actually build into the earth. So Solomon ends up building God a temple. It's a massive temple, and, uh, and we know throughout church history that that temple was used for incredible things. In 2 Chronicles 5.13, they're dedicating the temple, and the glory of God comes and inhabits the temple to such degree, the Shekinah glory was there that they could not minister before him anymore. But we see that that temple was destroyed on and on it goes we find that throughout church history and throughout biblical history that god chooses to utilize places to encounter his people but then we find something very interesting in the new testament we find that the place of encounter is now in the people so and just so that we're clear god may use natural places but his agenda was always for the hearts of men let me read a couple of verses here in 1 corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 It says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3.16. You are the temple of the living God. You know what that word temple is? That word temple is actually the word that is used to reference the holy of holies. So in the Old Testament structure, there, there was multiple stages that you would go through structurally before you could enter into the Holy of Holies. And the only person who could enter into the Holy of Holies was the high priest. Jesus is our high priest. We find in Hebrews that when he applied his blood, that he tore the curtain, and that now we have entrance into that Holy of Holies. Not only do we have entrance, Scripture says that you are the Holy of Holies. I want you to think about that for a second. You are the Holy of Holies. You are the place that only the high priest could go to once a year and not without blood. You are that place. You are the dwelling headquarters of God. Now, we also find, look with me if you would, at 1 Peter chapter two. 1 Peter chapter two, looking at verse four, and it says, and coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So we find, as is in all of Scripture, there are multiple facets of this. You, as an individual, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But then it says, you're also a stone by which when you come together, you're, also, you're building the corporate house of God. That's why in everything that we say and do, you will hear an individual dynamic and a corporate dynamic. Is it either or? No, it's both and. And what we've done, again, on a business model, is a business model has made it all about the individual. But a family model says that you are an individual in the context of a family. You have an individual identity, but you also have a family identity. You have an individual calling, but you also have a family responsibility. I know I'm working with hundreds of years. I know I'm working against uh, you know, culture that is so deeply indoctrinated as towards our, 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 our self-absorbed tendencies, but I want you to know that the biblical model is that you are an individual set in the context of a family. It's not just about your calling, your desires, your preferences, your wants, your wishes. There is a family to take into account here. And that's why... We're going to go to Disneyland for Milan and SeaWorld for Kenya. <laughs> All right, are you guys still still alive? You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So one of the reasons why Scripture commands us, exhorts us not to forsake the assembling together of the brethren is because we are being built up into a spiritual house. What happens here, not just on Sundays, but what happens all throughout the week in life group, community, one-on-one conversations, when you pray for people that are in the house, when you encourage them, exhort them, serve them. Uh, when we do that as a family, we are, we, are, we are being tightly woven together as spiritual stones into a spiritual house. Say, I'm a spiritual house. All right, let's look at a couple of things the scripture says about the house of the Lord. Number one, scriptural references, and there are Tons. Tons. Number one, scripture commands us to be planted in the house of the Lord. I may have to just wait on that one because I could I could really take a few weeks on being planted. That's one thing I would say. I'm very I'm very pleased. You know, the house of Antioch, you guys are a planted people. You are you are a rooted people. And here's what the scripture says in Psalm 92. Psalm 92 verse 12 says the righteous man, Psalm 92 12, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. We are to be planted in the house of the Lord we are to be planted into the people that God has called us to. Planted. You're not planted when you are uh, constantly being uprooted, going from place to place and people to people, and when you, when, when you get a branch cut off, you, you say, I'm just gonna just go find different soil. That's not being planted. When you're planted, you're planted through every season. Think about that. We don't have trees just popping up and going, "It's a little cold here. I'm going to go down. We don't know. We don't have snowbird plants in the scripture. You're planted through every season. You know, in Colorado Springs, we're experiencing tremendous rain. Praise God for it. And I just want to remind all the people that was cursing the weather when we had fires, praise God for the rain. Stop cursing the rain. rain I mean, raining so much. Now praise God, I'd rather have rain than fires. But listen, listen. Listen, when you're planted, you're planted through the fires. You're planted when there's a drought. You're planted. And in that season, something is happening in your root structure in that season. Because listen, if you'll stay long enough, the rain will come. Now, that doesn't mean that God will not uproot you and plant you somewhere else. But let God do that. Let him do that because he will do that from time. There are some of you literally that will be called to live and die in Antioch for the rest of your days. You will be, and there are some of you who will be called to be sent out of here. And I don't know which is which, but the Father does. And the dynamic journey that we have is to be listening to the Father, to be free from offense, to be planted and rooted people. And one of the best ways that you know whether or not you're uprooting yourself or the Father is sending you is are you leaving an offense Are you leaving in frustration and bitterness or are you being sent by the voice of the Lord? Planted in the house of the Lord. Now, I'm not willing to build a theology on this, but by observation, I have noticed in just 20 short years of ministry, just about, I have noticed that those people who end up like not grafting themselves into a family, I usually find that they're not growing spiritually. Now, I'm not willing to say that's 100%, but I want to say the majority of people that I have interacted with find themselves ceasing to grow and mature when they cut themselves off of the body. God has designed that part of your spiritual and my spiritual growth is connected relationally with his people. Look at this verse here in Hebrews. This right here will rock your world, and it's fantastic. Hebrews chapter 3. Let me also say this. I want to just, I want to just use this to commend uh, one of the fathers in this ministry, and, and, and I want to say this to all of those you her ministry leaders here. I just want to commend you because it would be so easy for Apostle Bill and for so many others to say, listen, I'm in churches seven days out of the week. I'm constantly ministering, and Sunday is really one of the few days I have to rest, but man... Mary Ann and Betty and Jerob and Apostle Bill and so many others, you you guys choose to stay rooted into the family. And I respect that emphatically. And I want your ministries to flourish and thrive and, and do everything that they're supposed to do in the kingdom. And I just want to honor you guys today for that. Hebrews chapter three, verse one says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, he was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in his house. Now, wait a minute. I thought you said Moses built a tabernacle. I thought you said he rode around camping all the time in the wilderness, setting up his Coleman tent everywhere he went. No, no, scripture calls it a house. He was building a house, a house of the Lord, he was helping as a father and as a son build a family that pulled that group of people into their prophetic destiny that affected generations and generations and generations. He was not just moving a tabernacle, he was not just a prophetic teacher, he was not just a general, he was not just a deliverer, he was a father who was building a house. You see that? That's incredible. Verse three, for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. This is all about Jesus. But just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house, every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which should be spoken later, verse six, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence firm to the end. We are a house. We are a house. And Jesus is building this house. Just like David built a house and Moses built a house and Abram built a house. We are a house being built as spiritual stones unto the glory of God. Amen. Number two, what the word says about a house is we are to be trained in a house. We are called to awaken and to equip you. There are some things that you will only get in the context of this family. And then there are some things that you will only get in the context of a family. Now, I I'm, I'm, praise God for podcasts, and I listen to a ton of preachers and teachers out there, and that's good for my knowledge base, and that's good for my revelation base. But there are certain things relationally that I'm never gonna get from a podcast, can't get it. And listen, oh, dear Jesus, should I go here? Let me, I need, I'm just going to dial this down. I'm going to smile a little bit. I'm going to make this more palatable. All right, I think I got it. Okay, now. <laughs> the next time you need to move, call your podcast community. The next time you're going through a difficult situation and you need someone to cook you a meal, call your podcast community. Now all of our podcast community out there, listen, we love you guys, we're so glad that you're listening to the podcast. But you guys hear what I'm saying? I had a situation that took place a couple years ago from a family that I met 10 years ago when I first moved here and uh, they attended, never got involved, rarely served. We constantly were reaching out to them And and they ended up transplanting to, you know, kind of just going from ministry to ministry, ended up moving, going to a different state so they could be a part of this parachurch ministry. And then they found themselves in need. And I ain't talked with you in eight years. And then this person just emails me out of the blue and says, hey, do you think you could get some men in your church to help move our stuff out of our storage unit to this state that was hundreds of miles away? And I just thought to myself, every one of us will encounter a time when we need something. Listen, listen, if you sow into relationships, you've got capital relationally with people. It's not just about I'm giving my money to this ministry. It's not just about I listen to great teaching on their podcast. It's not just about they have a great blog and they write good books. It is about there will come a time when you're going to need the body to be the body around your life. And listen, we're, we're, we're people of charity, we're people of benevolence, we're people of grace, and so we're not going to be ugly about it. But listen, I, I, what I'm addressing is a mentality. I'm addressing a culture. I'm addressing a spirit. I'm addressing this mentality that says that I can be disconnected and isolated, but when I need you, you need to come and help me. And then, if you don't, then I'm going to continue hating the church. And No, 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 we don't do that. That's not, that's not the biblical way, that's not the kingdom way, and it's not the family way. Amen? All right. I should have smiled more when I said that. All right, number three, in the house of God, we encounter God's presence. So it's a place to be planted. It's a place to be trained. I could probably even set in there. It's a place for mutual care and support, all right? Number three, it is a place where you encounter God's presence. There is an, there is an individual presence, and there is a corporate presence, Listen, guys, when, when, when God is doing something here corporately, that like we all have a role to contribute because there, there is a presence that God wants to manifest that he can only manifest on a corporate dimension. And, and I will say this, if, if you are choosing to not engage with that corporate presence, you're missing something. You are missing something. You are missing something a gift that only the father can bring to the family. And again, it's that individual family tension. It's not just about you getting blessed. What if, I'm just saying, what if you helping to engage corporately actually creates an opportunity and an atmosphere for God to bless somebody else? That's the family component of this. It's not just about Bible reading time. It's not just about kind of escaping. It is about we are all collectively creating an atmosphere for the Father to come to his family, for the Holy Spirit to fill the entire temple. It's a place of encounter. The house of the Lord is a place of encounter. The house of the Lord, number four, is a place of prayer. Jesus says this in Matthew 22 or 21. Verse 12 and 13, Matthew 21, 12 and 13, my house will be called a house of prayer. And this is something that we can improve on. This is something that we can continue. I think we do decent, but my standard my, my, my standard is not what other churches do. My standard is what has God called us to do. And I know that there is an ecclesia component of prayer in the context of family where we can change things and legislate things in the heavens. And so that's, that's an area where we can grow, and that's an area where we will grow. Let me take you on a little journey here. Over the past 25 years that this ministry has been in existence, there have been prophetic people that have come in and out of this house for decades. And we inherited, five years ago when when Christy and I inherited the leadership of this house, we also inherited the prophetic promises and the prophetic history of this house. And listen, just because we change names or we change leaders does not mean that what God has spoken into this house has changed. This will continue well after uh, my leadership and Christy's leadership and the leadership of all the staff and the elders and the life group leaders. This will continue well beyond us. See, this is not being built on a man or a personality. This is being built on God's prophetic assignment for this house in this city because there is a reason why God wants Antioch here. It's not better or worse than any other church on the block. It is that God has a specific assignment for this house. Now, let me just read a couple things to you. Guys, binders, four-inch binders full of transcribed word-for-word prophetic words from, from national known prophets for the past 20 years. And five years ago, we had someone who served the house by creating a compilation. And as this person began reading 20 years of documented prophetic words, here's what they discovered. There's actually some common threads here. There's some common denominators. And let me just read this to you. Number one, we are to be an apostolic house. And let me just read, I cannot read all of this because for the sake of time, let me just read some of these things. The Lord says, there is a new type of apostolic coming from this church. It is not what people usually think of apostolic, so it's been hard to put your finger on it. And it's been hard to know what it is, but I call you apostolic in prayer, apostolic in teaching, apostolic in sending, and apostolic in breaking. This is an apostolic center. There is an anointing to shift things. There is an anointing to raise up leader leaders. This is a place for women in ministry. This is to be a financial center. There is a Joseph and Daniel anointing on this house. It is called to go outside of the walls of this church and engage spheres. This is a productive, there is a productive anointing for leaders on this house. I mean, on and on. This is a center that will raise up and establish the fivefold. This will plant churches. Guys, I believe, I mean, come on. Is that, can, yes, yes, yes. We can say yes to every single one of those things. And I think now more than ever, these are not just, you know, pro, these are not just ideas. that. When I read these, I go every single one of these things just resonates in my heart and in the heart of the people that God has called to this place. Number two, this is a prophetic house. This will be a house of prophets. There is a multicultural prophetic inheritance. Yes, 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 and amen. Bring it on. I want the Asian prophets, I want the Latino prophets, I want the African-American prophets, I want the the Caucasian prophets, I want the multicultural prophetic inheritance. This is a prophetic people. This This is a place of prophetic worship, prophetic prayer, prophetic intercession. By the way, worship ministry, you guys are growing in this. You are growing in prophetic intercession, you are growing in prophetic worship, and I just, I am thrilled. This is a place that will understand times and seasons. There was a time in our history where people really looked to what is the prophetic voice coming from this house for things on the city level and on the national level and I believe that that is not something that we are to abdicate or forfeit. This is a high place. This is a place to call, uh, a call to send prophets to prophesy to nations. There's a prophetic anointing on women. This is a school of the prophets. Number, t- number three, this is a house of prayer, worship, and intercession for the city and for the nations spirit of worship harp and bowl intimacy apostolic prophetic worship revival worship specific sounds dancers banners flags guys come on did anybody besides me sense a little change in the weight of the atmosphere when those flags come out came out and started ministering unto the lord okay i did it was awesome uh, a place to raise up warriors, the mighty spirit of Caleb, breaker anointing, a marriage of the strategic level warfare and healing of the inner man, preparing warriors for battle. We have never left our anointing to raise up warriors. We're just foundationing it differently. We're setting some things in order. What we're doing is we're raising warriors who are sons, not orphans. And there is a world of difference. Number four, this is a training and equipping house. Here's what I love. I love the fact that, Betty, you put house on all of these. You don't probably even know the incredible significance of the implication of that, but this is a house that raises apostles, a house that is prophetic in nature, a house, a family that trains and equips. Number four, a training and equipping house called to establish a training center, an Antioch model. She wrote, this was spoken years before. Years before we ever changed our name to Antioch. Five-fold teaching center, understanding of generational inheritance, training of all ages, call to teach and equip, raising training teams, visitation teams, healing teams, restoration teams, deliverance teams. That stuff is happening. Guys, most of the stuff that I'm reading, it is happening even in seed form, but it is happening. And that is exciting. Number five, this is called to be a multi-generational house. Let it be more children, more youth, more junior high, more young adults, more UCCS students, more Palmer students, more, more, more. We must have, we love, we validate, we celebrate the inheritance of generations to come, which means there is an inherent demand on fathers and mothers in this house. We have a unique anointing, if not but for the years that Christy and I served in youth ministry and for my age, we have a unique opportunity, I believe, to reach out and touch the next generation. Y'all need to give me a better amen on that. All right, a, children, a generation of anointed children, children with flags, children evangelists, children to start getting saved and who will lead their parents to the Lord, children dancing in worship, three and four-year-olds with prophetic anointing and faith for healing miracles. Yes and amen. Denise told me a couple of weeks ago that when we brought all these children up here, she says, I had a problem with my shoulder and a young boy just went, be healed in Jesus' name. And she was. Come on. Alright, I'm almost done, number number, number five, a harvest house. A heart for souls, evangelism, prophetic evangelism, revival, signs and wonders, supernatural healing, revival that reaches prodigals, historic level of youth revivals, on and on and on it goes, and then finally, this is to be a healing house. I feel like, I feel like um, many of these things we've made tremendous strides in. Apostolic, yes, prophetic, yes. Worship and intercession, yes. Training and equipping, yes. I feel like the two that the Lord is saying, okay, these are things that you just need to put more attention on, a harvest house and a healing house. Guys, listen, we cannot, we will not, we will not, we will not, we will not, we will not abandon. We will not assume that because we preached a message or two or a series that our assignment to produce healing in this house and to the city and to the nations is over. I believe that there is a well that is to be reopened in this city, that people will come here because healing is in the city and healing is in this house. It's been prophesied that this is to be a cancer-free zone. And let the seed of those who have gone before us be a seed for the manifestation and the fulfillment. I am not giving up. That is a promise from God. This is to be a cancer-free house. People will come here. They're going to catch word and they're going to come here and miracles and healing are going to take place. It is true. I believe it. And so these are things, guys, these are things that we're building. These are things that we are contending for. This is, this is what we're building. Now, can I, can I just, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Can I borrow five more minutes? Good, thanks. Marianne, come on up here, if you would. Why do I share all those things? Obviously, all of those things are very, very intangible in nature. I believe that there is a spiritual dynamic that takes place, and this is actually a journey that the Lord has brought me on. Because in my mind, I was like, Lord, we can tabernacle for years. It's okay. But I believe that there is actually a spiritual dynamic to owning and possessing land in a city. I believe that. And all of our spiritual warfare mapper people understand exactly what I'm talking about. I heard an incredible testimony just a few weeks ago that launched my faith. And that testimony was from another pastor in town. Uh, we met in a little pastor's prayer group. And before we started, he says, guys, guys, can I, can I just testify? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. He said, you know, we're actually in the process of uh, looking at another building. The building's $5 million and uh, completely out of sight for us. But we just felt like, I just felt that I was supposed to go to the congregation. And listen, let me just preface this. There's no pressure here. This is a faith builder. He says, I felt like I was supposed to go to the congregation and say, we're going to start a building campaign, just see what happens. That morning, after I I announced that, he says $250,000 came in in an offering. $250,000. He says, that was more than than a fourth of our annual budget. That just happened in one service. And uh, he says, but that's not it. He says, the next week, someone came up and wrote a million dollar check. Right? The next week, another person came up and wrote a million dollar check. The next week, another person came up and wrote a million dollar check. Where are all these people hiding now? In one congregation? Brother, you need to share the wealth, man. Now, so then he was like, all right. They went to their elders, and they're like, okay, we've got, we've got 3.5. We need, we need another 1.5. And he's like, you know what? We just don't, we don't feel like we're supposed to take out a loan for $1.5 million. So he ended up going to the owner of the new building, which is a beautiful building. It's one I've had my eyes on for years, and I'm totally excited for them. <laughs> so he goes to the owner of the building, and here's what the guy says. He goes, you know what? We're, we're going to... Uh, I, basically like kind of do a rent-to-own type of deal or a, no interest. He's like, basically, you just kind of assume the payments. There's gonna be no interest and no debt. And so the rest of the 1.5, you, what do you call You just basically finance out with no interest or something like that. Yeah, yeah, owner, yeah owner carry. That's why she's up here. Okay, so I want Marianne to share with you because here's, here's what I wanna inject faith into. Here's what I wanna inject faith into your hearts. And here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to agree with this. Pray the eight. And I'm asking you to join your faith with me in saying, God, we believe it's time for a building. We believe it's time. We believe it's time for you to give us a place, a place to build, a place to build a harvest house, a place to build a family, a place to build a healing house, a place to build training rooms, a place to build, a place to build, a place to launch ministries. I believe that there is a place for us in this city. I don't know when it's coming, but I have faith to now know, and I have faith to ask God, God, give us our house. Give us a house. Give us a building. Give us land. So I want Mary to share it because she has carried this, guys, literally for years. She has carried this for over 10 years. This woman, you may not know this, she has is, she is gone, she has traveled the roads of this city hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times. She has scheduled so many walkthroughs with my administration, with the previous administration. She has taken our staff on so many walkthroughs. She has anointed buildings. She has carried oil. She has prayed. She has prayer-walked, prayer-driven, she has carried this. And I think that she there is there is a faith anointing she has. And listen, listen, she has actually even given significantly. We do have a building fund. We have a separate account that is set apart. And uh, so I want to announce that you can be aware of that. But she has given a significant starter to that. So this is not just something that this is something she is she is an anointing for it. So Miriam,
1: well, I feel the anointing on that. First of all, I say yay, Jade. <laughs> I've been, I've been meeting with him over the past few years going, "We need a building fund, we need a campaign. you can't get the money if you don't ask." And I've walked in faith as a for, for some of you who don't know, a career realtor and until I became a full-time head of a ministry, but I still do real estate when God sends people, and this one, I'm still doing real estate till this is done) <laughs> And I did. I have, I have joked that I have poured oil in every parking lot of every available building in this town for 10 years. I have salted, staked, prayed, cried out, and believed. And I learned a lot of things in the process, one of which I have to share. Jade knows this. A lot of the places that we did that over are churches now. So because because Dutch had a forerunner's anointing. I carry a forerunner anointing. This house, Jade carries a forerunner anointing. That's why we had to do all that was so those churches who didn't have a forerunner anointing could get their ground. But God says it's time now. It's time for us to put our money where our seats are. (laughs) And to step up. And he talked about the million dollar gifts. Before I knew what he was going to say, I was back there praying. And the Lord said, talk to him about line up online. If 300 people will give $20 more a month, you guys spend more than that at Starbucks. You spend more than that at feeding your kids at McDonald's, if if 300 of us, and we have that many, gave $20 more a month, we would have $6,000 more a month, which added to what is already spent, would give us 12,000 square feet of lease space, okay? And that is the minimum square footage that we really need to do classrooms, office, and all that. Okay, you can do twenty dollars every month. I know you can, but if but if some of us could give a hundred dollars more a month, that would make this body have thirty thousand dollars a month to either lease or put into the building fund to buy land. And I'll just tell you as a realtor, real quick, you can't just go buy land. Land loan, you need cash. Because in this day and age, the short version is they either want half of it as a down payment if you try to finance it, and we're kingdom. We don't want it financed, do we? do we? God has been telling the body for eight years, get debt free. I don't think he made Antioch wait this long so we could be in debt. He's saying you're going to do this debt free. And if you guys don't have enough faith to believe with me and, and, and with Pastor Jade, I'll pray for you because I can impart this kind of faith because I've had to walk in it personally. So if, if 300 people gave 100 a month, that's 30 thousand dollars a month very quickly. Now, I like the million-dollar gifts better, okay? (laughs) But everybody is in a different place, and I think that's why God was speaking this to me. I know everybody in here can come up with 20 bucks, and some of you much, much more. This is not your tithe, This is on top of your tithe. And just real quick, uh, Jade, if I can add this. We have looked at a space to lease which may or may not work out, but that would only be temporary. Am I free to? That would only be the interim step if God chose to do it that way. But right now, this moment, the Lord is saying, "Step up, put your money where your tush is. We need a house so that all those prophetic words Jade just read to you and, and reminded you of can come to come to fruition. And you guys, it's for such a time as this. Things are happening. As you know, in the news and in this nation, and we need to be in a place where we can do the stuff God's called us to do. And it's going to come quick. It's going to come quick just like that pastor's money came really quick. It's the stuff is coming quick and God's going to do what we need quick as well. Can I pray? But everybody stand up and let's join our hearts and hands and okay just so you know because I have the realtor anointing and then I have this other thing this 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 faith anointing for this I can really feel the Lord on this so if you don't have it just step into it by faith and you're going to get it father we thank you that this is your perfect time for Antioch. We thank you that you have a place, a a plan. It's, It's all in place and we agree this day to step up with our faith, the mustard seed faith or the big faith and everything in between. And we say, yes, Lord, line upon line, precept upon precept, have your way. We call down the kingdom wealth that you have promised we inherit we are not consumers but we are stockholders we have stock in heaven and we call down that stock so that we can pour it back into the kingdom for such a time as this We are a family that has an inheritance, and we want to bring it to pass so that it can pass down generation after generation after generation after generation. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence and your faithfulness, and we say, have your way. Have your way. And I impart to every person in this room and all those that are in the mountains or wherever today and a a new level of faith to believe that they will start sowing on a regular monthly basis, whatever amount they can, whatever amount that you're going to give them to believe for into the building fund. We say that building fund is now going to explode exponentially in Jesus name.
0: Antioch, we bless you today. I bless you to walk in the prophetic promise that has been sown into the soil and the spirit of this house for over 20 years. I declare you are an apostolic house. You are a building, activating, establishing house. You are a strategic Force for the kingdom in the days ahead. I declare, Antioch, that you are a place that not only walks in a governmental anointing, but that you will establish a spirit of government everywhere that you go. We speak over you a multiplying anointing, a church planting, ministry planting, pioneer planting anointing in the name of Jesus. Father, I call forth the prophetic anointing and the prophetic dimension. On this house I declare that you Antioch are a house of prayer let prayer rise let intercession rise let worship rise let it increase breaker mantles in the name of Jesus I declare you are a training and equipping house in the fivefold father we thank you for teams ministry teams deliverance teams teaching teams prophetic teams mission teams you're a multi-generational house bless the children and the youth and the young adults. And Father, we just say, bring on more, 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 more children, more babies, more young adults, revivalists, voices, prophetic voices in this hour. Fathers and mothers, Father, we say this is a harvest house. We thank you for the spiritual babies. We thank you for the those, God, that are being delivered out of same-sex marriages, God, that are being delivered, God, out of drugs and being delivered out of marijuana and drug addiction, that are being delivered, Father God, out of porn addiction, that are being delivered out of dysfunctional families. Father, we we thank you that you are delivering people that are yoked in sin and bondage, that this is a harvest house. Father, we thank you that this is a healing house. Father, we continue to pray for Kim, and we say, be healed miraculously in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for my friend and father and the lord apostle bill that you would touch these kidneys and you restore them and you'd pull him off of the chemo and you would you would eradicate cancer from his body you would you would remove every trace of chemo from his body and cause healing to touch his body god that he would run hard for the next 30 years god bringing deliverance power to the nations father i pray for all those sick we pray that this would be a healing house body soul and spirit And God, we say that you are the center of it all. We commit this house to you. God, I pray that for generations to come well beyond my time on this earth, that you would continue to use this house as a force for your kingdom until you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Antioch. Take these things with you. Dress your refrigerator and pray the eight and have a great week. Love you so much.